Thank you, Heather, for the honorable introduction. Hard to believe that I'm actually doing all this stuff. And uh, I'd like to point out a, a real hero, um, Elizabeth Mount, who, who I met in a, a mountaintop removal protest about five years ago. Um, just spent, oops, I think I'm probably a little too close. Um, just spent, uh, I don't know, I think it was about 60 hours suspended from a cable on a bridge in, uh, in Oregon to uh, protest the uh, Arctic drilling. That's a hero. <laughs> My work pales in comparison, but I will make the best contribution I can. And um, I'd like to add something to Amy's alphabet. B is for benevolence. Benevolence is one of the principles of the United Nations climate talks, and one that I'll be hoping to bring um, in, the form of, uh, in the form of universal climate justice. So my talk today, um, I, I made some last-minute changes to it when on Friday I was uh, making a reservation to a, uh, to a side uh, uh, conference in Paris. And uh, about an hour later, I, um, I took care of some household errands and then turned on the news and heard about the tragedy in Paris. And my, my heart skipped a beat. Um, you know, I didn't know when it would end and what would happen and whether I would be affected. Um, and I still don't. So I, I go in uncertainty. And, um, my, my response uh, pretty quickly was um, the beret I just had. I put, but that's okay. Um, I wore the beret for the rest of the afternoon. And I made a resolution to not cower in fear, to stand on the light side of love of a peaceful planet. Unfortunately, in response, the French government, already on their highest alert, created a new higher alert level. Will that work? I don't know. Maybe what's needed in Paris are equity, trust, solidarity, and action. Those are four of the proposed goals recently put forth by the European Union in a, recent, in a, uh, in a climate meeting in Bonn, Germany, leading up to the Paris meeting. So with those principles, I'm going to Paris. I'm going as an observer, um, but I will be reporting back, and I'll be glad to come back here. I'll be making uh, talks and presentations and showing pictures of my trip. Um, in the months afterwards, we'll be having a, a major meeting of all of the um, eight delegates from the University of Arizona and some more delegates from uh, ASU. Uh, we're going in cooperation, so uh, I've uh, come up with a, a, new, uh, a new motto for the two schools together, the, um, the Sun Cats. Um. 
So go, go Suncats. So why should Unitarian Universalists support this effort? I believe climate justice is a necessary outcome of universe, Unitarian Universalist values. Our seven principles ask much of us. Casual acquaintance with them is enough to get us in the door, but moral action on them is sometimes hard. It has been for me. I'd really rather just take a rest from all this action. Oh, talking about arrest, um, this is my, my arrest tie. Um, I, I wore this when I was arrested after uh, Tim DeChristopher's trial when 26 of us, uh, almost half Unitarians, were, um, were arrested uh, protesting his two-year sentence for bidding on oil and natural gas leases in Salt Lake City. And I was arrested with 1,253 people in Washington, D.C., protesting the Keystone XL pipeline. Oops, let's see if I can uh, make this go. How's that? Is that better? Okay, sorry. I, I, I realized it was making funny sounds, so I backed off. I won't do that again. <laughs> I'll never back off. <laughs> but I'll wear a beret of peace in Paris, not, not the... Uh, the orange tie. So this, this, these principles, um, a, lot of, a lot of ways to look at our seven principles, and in particular, the seventh principle, respect for the interdependent web of existence of which we're all a part. Um, it's a nice thing when, when you start thinking about renewable energy and, um, and Priuses and all that fun stuff, and just as an aside to brag a little, my wife just bought a, a Nissan Leaf electric vehicle and, and promptly forgot how to run a gas pump. <laughs> that was fun, and it was really a pleasure to come here. I, I knew I was in the right place wh where, when I was the, the fifth Prius to pull up in the parking lot. <laughs> so I can tell you folks are already on your way. But this, um, this fight against, uh, against the injustice of climate change is a is a part of a larger struggle for a more just, equitable, caring, and mindful world. In such a world, greed, apathy, ignorance, and arrogance have no place. But I really, I really believe that we, we are looking forward to a, a much brighter future, one powered by the sun and the wind. But if we're to confront our problems as a human family, we need each of us and all of us to effective, effectively pursue that bright future that we all want. We need to build a better world. We need to eradicate poverty, build resilience and sustainable communities to protect the earth, promote honor and integrity, and foster a culture of caring. Some lofty goals. Well, the choice is that we descend into more infighting and more unfairness and more death and destruction. So I'm going to take the brighter choice. Thanks. But this is my response to what happened in Paris and what's been happening around the world. And I need to acknowledge that my background, uh, one of the things that wasn't mentioned, uh, is that I just finished a graduate program at the University of Arizona in connecting environmental science and decision making. Tough job. 
Um, a lot of decision makers don't want to be confused by facts. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, their minds are already made up. But it's one that I've been doing. I've had a 10-year relationship with Senator McCain and his staff because he worked on uh, the Climate Stewardship Act at one time. And that's going to continue. Some of us in Tucson are going to be going to his office as part of a citizen's climate lobby event, and I will write a letter because I won't be there because it'll be on the 22nd after I um, leave on a, on a slow freighter for Paris. I've decided to cut my carbon footprint um, and I'll be a millionth of the, of, the <laughs> of the cargo of the freighter, so it's almost negligible. Uh, but it's going to take a few extra days, so I'll have to leave early, um, which is, makes the Blue Boat poem a very appropriate song for my voyage. Um, so this is the original presentation I had. That, that's just intro. Um, and really, it, honestly, it's, it's changed my view of this because of what happened in Paris being so close to what I was doing personally. Um, it couldn't help but affect me deeply. So overall, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is that I'm not, not going to talk doom and gloom about climate change, nor am I going to lecture down to you about what you should do to stop it. I don't believe either motivates people to take appropriate action. Sometimes it paralyzes us. Sometimes it pushes us into denial. Sometimes the fear just makes us act out of frustration. Benevolence and joy work much better. And that's the message I hope to bring. Along with a somber and serious uh, call to action. So I took the title for today's talk from an extremely pedantic source book called A Moral Climate, The Ethics of Global Warming, written by Michael S. Northcutt, professor of ethics at the University of Edinburgh and a priest in the Scottish Episcopal Church kept putting me to sleep, but I won't grant you that luxury. On the other side, I also don't want to make rosy promises of a new age consciousness that will solve the problem, which I wish, but don't believe seriously will be happening anytime soon. So what will be my message today? Well, I'm going to echo a message from, from someone else who might have a little more power than me in this regard. So last week, as he opened his own Facebook page for the first time, our president wrote, I'm kicking it off by inviting you to take a walk with me in my backyard, in the Rose Garden, where he gave this talk. I say this often, but that's because it's always in the front of my mind. We've got to preserve this beautiful planet for our kids and our grandkids. And that means taking serious steps to address climate change once and for all. Now we've made a lot of progress to cut carbon pollution here at home, and we're leading the world to take action as well. But we've got more to do. So I hope you'll join me in speaking out on climate change and educating your friends about why this issue is so important. That's a president I can be proud of. I hope he delivers in Paris. So this brings me to the bad news. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to join me in taking continued action. Not just change the light bulbs, you know, get the Prius, and drive it more. I don't know. No, don't, don't do that. 
<laughs> we need a lot of work. Many scientists think that we not only need to stop dumping carbon pollution into the atmosphere, but that we actually need to remove CO2 from the atmosphere, whether by planting trees or by complex and controversial technological means. The author of the first popular book outlining the climate change problem in 1989, The End of Nature, Bill McKibben and friends have formed climate action groups such as 350.org to make clear that strong legislation is needed in this country and that a strong international climate treaty is necessary this December at the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change in Paris. I'll be there as a delegate, but I'd also like your support. I was told um, as I came in that and I forgot who said that they were writing a letter to the editor, I believe, 